Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards. Welcome back to The View, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and here to the left of me, as always, is my co-host and cohort, Victor Adams. Hey, John. How's it going today? It is going uh, really well, my friend. It's busy (laughs) and going nuts and running every which way but Sunday, but hey, man, that's that's life sometimes, and just glad to take a break from all of it and get in here and, and start talking about the faith again and... Uh, you know, have, putting together a show for all these guys right. out here. Living in the listening. whirlwind, as they say. That's you right. are. That's yeah. right, man. We're in the middle of a lot of things. You yeah. know, we've got uh, completion of the studio coming up. We should uh, today, actually, tonight at midnight, uh, the guy that's coming in to help is flying in, and we're going to get the studio set up in the next few days. Got Matt Frad coming in Thursday to uh, speak at the parish in the weekend, but he's going to hang around, you know, hang out at the house a couple days with me. We're going to do an episode or two in the new studio. Uh, so looking forward to that. Got to break it, break it in. What yeah, yeah, right. it's a good one to break it in with. Yeah. You know, so we were able to put up all these wood boards on the wall and get a different look in the studio this weekend. Thank you to my father-in-law and uh, David Hall, a buddy of ours, for helping with that. Um, but we got all that done, and we're focusing on just getting it equipped the rest of this week, and then starting to get the YouTube up and all of that. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, please do that. Go to uh, YouTube.com, search just to get on the pew. Then hit the subscribe button and you'll get notifications every time that we put out new content because we're going to be doing a whole lot there, a lot outside of the podcast too, extra stuff you know that uh, that we've come up with and we're going to be working on live Q&As and things like that too. So go there and, and subscribe to the show there. Uh, second of all, I want to tell you to look at booking us for a mission. We continue to go around the country and start men's groups. Uh, we have some open spaces in July. I believe we have a couple in September and October. So if you've been thinking about it, you're on the fence. We've got some availability through the end of 2022. Victor, this is where my passion is. You know that. We're going out. We're starting these groups. Um, I continue to be in contact with these leaders, and great things are happening. Guys' lives are changing. Parishes are changing. Men are becoming the spiritual leaders of their family. Guys are putting down vices and picking up virtue. It's amazing, and we want to do this in parishes all over the country. We can teach guys how to lead a group. This isn't about you know signing up to buy some ministry in a box thing for the next 20 years. It's about us coming and equipping and helping you learn how to lead other men and then giving you a structure to do it so you can start a vibrant, life-changing men's group in your parish. So if you're a guy who wants that, go talk to your pastor, sign up, get more information You know, by going to our website. You know, If you're a priest or a deacon or a religious, someone that wants to bring this to your parish, go to our site. You can go to an events page, go to Book John, and right there on that page you'll see um, the piece about starting men's group. Go there, fill out the form. I'll get your email and phone number, and I'll give you a call. So please go check that out. It supports the ministry, but it also helps us live out the mission of this ministry, which is to bring people to Jesus. So again, you can do that at our events page. Um, last thing I'll say is thank you to the people that have been supporting us through DonorBox. Um, more and more people are doing that. We do have the Just a Guy in the Pew community. You can sign up for that, get the narrow road, have the access to me on a monthly basis through um, our uh, 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 community member call. Sorry, you got it. about that. Yeah. Stuttered there duh, 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 for a second. But uh, you can support us through that community. But we also have DonorBox. If you don't want any of the extra bells and whistles stuff, you just want to support the, the ministry because it's helped you and you want to give to it, we love that. Monthly donations 
help a lot. They add up over time. If you have a number of people giving them, it turns into you know a large amount of money instead of looking at one person to try to try to give you a you know a truckload of money mm-hmm. to support you. So you know, guys, five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen, twenty, whatever you think you can give. And I know times are hard right now, so don't think that like with all inflation, all those things that I don't understand the ask that I'm asking out there. I know things are tight, but if you have the means and you have the desire and you you want to help out the show and what we're doing, then you can give at donorbox.pew.org/pew. Donorbox.org/pew. You can find that on our website as well too. We love the monthly donations, the one-time donations, the anytime donations. So uh, just continue to go check that out. But I wanted to get all that out of the way, Victor, because, you know, I, I'm excited to talk about what we're going to talk about on the podcast today. Um, you know, we, I've been reading Bible in the Year and doing that for a while, so I've been going through the Old Testament. You know, and you hear a lot of guys go like, I don't know, the Old Testament doesn't ever seem to really have anything to me, you know, always gravitate for me. I gravitate towards the Gospels or, you know, the, the epistles of Paul, the letters of Paul and all those things. And I seem to get more stuff out of that. And, and, you know, I, I could see that point of view. Mm-hmm. But there's so much in the Old Testament that you can look at so many different ways. Like, for instance, today we're going to talk about um, are you in the fight? This is the name of the show today. And I want to really look at David and Uriah. Now, this is something you and I have talked about before. You know, we've talked about this whole David, Bathsheba, uh, Uriah. Triangulation. Tri- yeah, Uriah. love triangle yeah. thing. Right. And, and what happens and where David sort of falls from grace here during this. I mean, there's no sort of about it. He does. But we've talked about it in the light of lust before, you know, just watching your heart and guarding your heart for lust, which is an important part of that. Like, that's a huge example by that story in the mm-hmm. Bible of like, man, we've really got to protect ourselves from this and, and keep ourselves on guard and keep a clean heart as David prays to the Lord in Psalm 51 after that, Lord, place in me a clean heart. You know, he, he, he realizes the mistake he's made. But today I want to talk about just staying out of the fight. And what I mean by that is when you go to read 2 Samuel chapter 11, um, you know, it starts with this this whole thing with adultery. In fact, that's the title of it, is David commits adultery with Bathsheba. So I want to start with the first couple of lines of this, because this is going to outline like basically the whole reason we're doing the show today. So it says in chapter 11, Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, in the springtime of the year, the time when kings go forth to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. All right, Victor, so let's stop right there. I mean, we're only a couple lines in. Mm. But so apparently in the spring of the year, this is where kings went to fight, right? Where they went to battle and win more land over for their country or secure their borders or whatever it may be. Um, And instead it says David sent Joab. He sent all of his servants with him. All of Israel, it says... (laughs) But David didn't go. So everybody goes to this battle but David, and David stays behind. And as we're going to see in a couple of minutes, as we're talking about this, this is going to create a huge problem. And in fact, creates the entire problem that where we've talked about lust before with David, the whole thing starts with the fact that he didn't go to battle. Mm-hmm. Well, also, the, the topic of what we're talking about is that a leader is not leading. Mm-hmm. He's, he's anointing or chose someone else to do the leading, and therefore the men are fighting but there's no one to like point to and says, that's our king, Yeah, you know? And so the thing is, yes, they probably won their battles, but again, it was one of those things where their motivation was kind of like, yes, for God, but there was no like visual aid of David rallying them because he already, he was a myth. I mean, yeah. you know, he slew Goliath. So therefore, if he was present, the bravery and the honor of all the men were intact too, you know? So yeah. 
it's, it's, that's the thing is that he, he should have been with it because it said it was the season of the kings to go into a, the sure. battle, whatever, which means it was perfect holiday in a sense of like weather and everything else. And, you know, imagine getting all the materials and logistics needed to get set up. And you go, all right, man, take care. I'll, I'll peace out. I'll be here. Sure. Chilling out the well, couch. and everybody, all these men that love David, the reason he was revered as a king was because of the way that he treated people. And mm-hmm. he did, he didn't ask anybody to do anything he wouldn't do himself. Right. So, when you look at Saul chasing him, he's still going off and leading battles when there's somebody out there to kill him, as we talked about a few weeks ago. You know, doing God's will. We talked about how Saul didn't and David did. Well, David had done that up to this point, but then things start to change. Like you notice a couple chapters before this, it mentions that he's taken on many wives now. And one of the things that God right. specifically asked them not to do was to take on extra wives. It was like to have a wife. And and David just sort of fell into this that other kings had of having concubines and other wives and things like that. He had multiple children from different from different women, which caused a problem in the end with the kingdom of Israel and Judah. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So you start to see him sort of step away from God's will in a way a bit today. And then when we do that, and that's what I really want to illustrate today, using you know David as an example for all of us. We know that God said David's a man after my own heart. You know, that he anointed David. We're anointed in our baptism. God, you know, hopefully says that we're men after his own heart, right? That we're we're pursuing what he wants us to pursue. But what happens is when we refuse to fight, when we refuse to get into a battle, then we leave ourselves open to other things. And this is what I think most people don't really spend enough time concentrating on in the world is that we are in a spiritual battle every single day. You know, you hear, you see the books on spiritual warfare. Maybe you read them, maybe you don't. Maybe you hear that sort of stuff. You know, eh, no big deal. You know, that's all mumbo jumbo. I just got to live a decent life and make good choices and all that. No, there's spiritual warfare raging around you all the time. There's God and his angels and the devil and his minions. And they're each pulling for you. And, you know, David, as I said, was an anointed chosen one of God. And we're about to see that he's going to fall greatly. Not just in in the fact that he, that he, he lusted after a woman because he acted on that. Right, he slept with her, another man's wife, probably against her will. And then, as as everybody knows, or if you don't, we're going to tell you in a minute. He has one of his best friends and soldiers killed because it's his wife. And so, this idea of that we there's no spiritual warfare going on when we when we start to live that way, then we start to get comfortable, we start to get complacent, we start to get lazy. And we're going to see where David does that here. In fact, it says in the very next verse, in number two, we hadn't even gotten through the first verse yet, but the second verse. It says, so let's just finish the first verse. It says, but David remained at Jerusalem. I just mm-hmm. want to emphasize that again. Everybody left, David stays. The next line says, it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking upon the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. Stop. First okay? of all, he's bored. He, he arose yeah. in the late right. afternoon from his couch. Right. His men are off at war fighting his battles for him. And he's sleeping on the couch. He's taking a nap. Mm-hmm. And so he arises and sort of, ah, what's it's going like, on? Let me go take a walk up on the yeah, roof. Yeah, I'm walk on right. my, around the palace and all that stuff. And he looks down and he sees a beautiful naked woman bathing, mm-hmm. right? And how many times in our life have we been sitting around going, you know, I should be reading scripture or I should be at my kid's ball game or I should be doing whatever else, but I got this time on my hands, right? And the next thing you know, flip on the TV, you see something that, Maybe uh, lewd or something like that, and all of a sudden you're off in another direction, or you know you're instead of doing the things you know you need to do, you're 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 diving off in other vices, drinking or whatever all the time with your time. This is what happens when we quit focusing on the game and, and quit 
engaging in the battle is we find ourselves going, you know what, I, I need to take a break. Well, there are no breaks in the spiritual life, right? There really aren't. There's not a day where we can just go, you know what, I don't need to do the things that God has asked me to do today. Because when we start to do that, we start to find ourselves in this sort of place that David found himself. Right. So he sees this woman, and it says, David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So right after that, it says, David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she was purifying herself from uncleanness, uncleanness. So here's the thing. Not only did David find himself doing something he shouldn't be doing, then he has someone else tell him, you shouldn't be doing this. That's somebody, you know that's his wife, right? And he completely ignores it right. and calls her anyway. So again, because David decided not to fight, and he's sitting there on the sidelines, as you said, bored with nothing to do, now his mind is somewhere else, and he's walking away from vi- virtue and into vice. Well, you know, also on top of what you're saying, the piggyback-wise, is that, you know, he, he, like you said, he had opportunity to kind of say, no, I don't need to do this. Yeah. You know, yes, I am the king, but it does not give me right to, to take other people's property in my kingdom. He yeah. didn't think of that at all. The, the intention of the selfish desire overtook what he knew he was supposed yeah. to avoid. And and that's the thing, is once that seed takes over of self-interest it pretty much says you know well i'll I'll, i need this yeah i need this you know and then and then you you block out any kind of spiritual um inclinations of what you're supposed to be doing is is pretty much like cut off yeah and this is this is such an important point because how many times have we found ourselves in this place where we fall to sin right or we 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 do something we normally wouldn't do because we're not engaging in the things we need to be engaging in, right? And 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 we've chosen the opposite of what we know is good and true and beautiful, right? Like to follow God. We know in a moment, you know what? I just don't feel like doing that today. And we say, oh, I'll be all right. But this is the moment. This is the chink in the armor, if you will, that the devil is looking Eventually, for each and every right, day. Right. All right, I've been waiting forever for him to put that Bible down, to quit going to daily mass, to stop that adoration hour. He's waiting for any of those moments so he can stick that crowbar in there and pry it loose a little bit, right? To open that door so he can flood in with all his desires that feed off of our own selfish desires. So here, that's what David has done. He was somewhere he shouldn't have been doing something he shouldn't have been doing because he chose not to be doing the thing he knew he needed to do. How often is that us, Mm -hmm. Victor? I mean, I can name plenty of times probably in the last three days that's been me where I know I need to do this, but no, I I do that all the time. I'm going to take a break. I've got to get to this. I need to do that. I'm just going to take it easy tonight and not do my evening prayers or my examination of conscience or any of that. And then I find myself weeks out having not done it, usually in a pretty bad place, depressed, something going on, you know, that, that, that has gotten me astray from where God has had me. And it's never because God turned his back on me. It's because I just started choosing whether I realized that first choice set off a a, 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 a chain reaction of other choices mm-hmm. that separated me from him. So, you know, here's David, like I said, at home. Now he's he slept with Bathsheba, right? And it says she returned to her house. And then it said the woman conceived and she sent and told David, I am with child. So obviously this war's going on a while. Mm-hmm. They slept together, had time to conceive, right? Um, or excuse me, that she conceived, not had the baby. Sorry, yeah. getting confused there. Um, so all of a sudden she comes back to him and says, I'm with child. So David's going, uh-oh, right? Uh-oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in the middle of it now. I'm going to get caught. There's no way to get out of this, right? I'm, I'm stuck. What am I going to do about this? 
And so it says that he, he sent Joab and said, send me Uriah. So he goes to the front lines of the battle, wherever they are, and he brings Uriah home. And when Uriah came to David and asked him how you know Joab was doing and how the people fared, it says, and how the ward prospered, that's what David was asking him. But then he said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house and there followed him a, um, followed him a present from the king. So he sends him, trying to get him to go home. He's got a present for him, right? And he says, instead, Uriah slept at the door of the king. So we know what's going on here, Victor. David knows that now she's pregnant. She's told him she's pregnant. And his his solution to this is to bring Uriah home immediately, have him sleep with her so the timelines match up. Uriah thinks it's his baby. David's out of the clear, right? So now not only is he a, is he a, a, a adulterer, now he's a liar. Mm-hmm. And he's on his way. He, he was a rapist, basically, I'm sure, because right. I guarantee you she didn't want to leave her husband. Right. And now, or, or sleep with someone else but her husband, and now he's inching closer to murder, as we'll find out in a minute. But what he says here is that he tries to send him, and not only does he send him, he tries to send him with a present. And his servants come in and tell David, um, Uriah didn't go home, basically. Uriah didn't go down to his house. So David asked him, have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Now he's trying to manipulate him. Aren't you tired? Don't you want to go be with your didn't wife? He, didn't he try to get him drunk, too? Yeah, well, yeah. that's what he's right. fixing to do. Yeah. That's his next trick. So he tells him, you know, uh, he asks him why he doesn't go, and, and Uriah says to David, The ark and Israel and Judah dwell in booths, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? So he's sitting here saying, David, like, I'm not going to do that. Like, everybody else is out here fighting. I should be fighting. Mm-hmm. The only reason I'm not is because you've called me here. And I'm sure he's wondering why he's called him here. But you start to see the difference in David, who is now given over to vice, and Uriah, who is this virtuous man that refuses to go be with his wife, which I'm sure he wanted to be. But he wasn't going to allow himself comfort or any of those other things that David was allowing himself because his brothers were still out in the battle. And he knew there was still a war to fight. So David then says to him, well, remain here today also. Um, because it, I, I want to say emphatically, Uriah says at the end of that, as, as you live and your souls live, I will not do this thing. So he's telling the king, I'm not going to go home. I'm going to stay right here and sleep at your doorpost until you send me back to the battle. Because my men are doing that for right. you and out he there. he was trying to be loyal to David. Right, yeah. And David was like, no, I don't want you to be loyal to me. Yeah. yeah. So then um, he says, okay, <clears throat> David says, Uriah, remain here today also. And today I will let you depart. Or tomorrow I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. It says, David invited him and he ate in his presence and drank so that he made him even drunk. And in the evening he went out to lie on his couch and the servants of his Lord with the servants of his Lord and did not go down to his house. So here's David going, man, I'm trying everything. I guess I'll just get him drunk and then they'll carry him home. Well, he got him drunk, but Uriah still refused to go and to get comfortable, to get lazy, right? He didn't go find his couch to get up in the late afternoon like David did. And this is one of the biggest points I want to make today, Victor, is we have two men, right, that are caught up in this situation. Now, we know the end of this. We don't have time to go through it all. But basically, when Uriah refuses to go to his house a couple times, David looks at Joab and says, send him, send him to the, the harshest part of the battle because he knew he was going to die. In front of the line, yeah. And so David, who chose to stay out of the battle, stayed a, chose to stay home, was rising late in the day from his couch, being lazy, comfortable, all those things that we've talked about on here, now has become a liar, an adulterer, a murderer because of the choices he made not to engage in the battle. When we don't actively choose to fight on the side of our Lord every day, to do what he's asked of us, to to answer our duties as, as the Lord has called us to, then we're openly choosing, whether we know it or not, 
to start doing the 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 desires of the other side of that spiritual battle mm-hmm. of the devil. He's waiting for us to choose that and he's licking his chops. And so many of us, Victor, out here are every single day. We're choosing to not engage in this battle. And you can see when we're on the sidelines, the devil loves it because nothing's being effective. We're, our, our families aren't being led. Our parishes aren't being led. Our children aren't being led. Our world's being turned upside down with all the gender dysphoria and the, and the same-sex attraction and abortion and all these things because men are simply have decided, I'm going to be spiritually lazy. I'm going to be comfortable. I'm simply not going to war. I'm not going to fight anymore. And maybe you don't even realize that you've made that active choice. That choice, just one choice one time became a pattern of events in your life that's led you here. But if you're on the verge of losing your family, of feeling distant from the ones you love, of feeling far from God, a lot of times we want to blame God, but we have to look in that mirror, Victor, and say, how long has it been since I decided to fight? Mm -hmm. Right? Am, Am I more like David in this moment? And look, David is still, at the end of the day, at his deathbed, the anointed of God, right? Even, you know, God still loves David. God still wants David to be the man that he calls him to be, the same way he wants you and I to be that way. But at the end of the day, in this moment, David chose the wrong path, and it took him away from the Lord. Now, look, the Lord is a God of second chances. So David gets to to, to finish out his, his kingship, right, and then passes that on to his son Solomon and all of those things. But at the end of the day, David had to go back and repent and do all those things like, like we have to do. You know, in Psalm 51, that whole psalm is him lamenting over this and asking for forgiveness and desiring that clean heart because he realizes what he has done thanks to Nathan, who comes in later and, and, and illustrates a story. And David says, that person should be killed. And he says, that man's you. Mm-hmm. But in this, in this portion today, I want guys to take away, there's two choices to our life each and every day. And they're illustrated in this chapter 11. The man who chooses to be lazy, to stay out of the fight, winds up in a whole lot of trouble, a whole lot of sin. He didn't just fall to one thing. He fell to multiple things. And then on the other hand, you have a man that the only reason that he's not in the fight is because someone else called him out of it. That's where he wanted to be so much so that he would not give in to comfort. He would not give in to laziness. He would not give in to his own desires. I guarantee you he had to be with his wife after months of being away. This is the man that God calls us to be is to make those hard decisions and to always engage in that fight and stay away from things that draw us to lazy, laziness and comfort and complacency. Well, being part of the fight also is, is make sure you protect your family too. You know, I mean, for those of us who have children, we want to make sure we give them that strong foundation to where, you know, where they grow up into young adults. They know that they're going to be in a world where, where there's different parenting styles out there. Sure. They may run contrary to what we've instilled in our own children and a concept of how important faith is. Um, but but for us being parents, I think like you're saying is that we have to teach them the difference between selfish desires and and, and working towards uh, loving others as, as we're sure. supposed to do, like brothers and sisters. And I think for a lot of us um, who are not clear on the concept of what that is, we struggle with that daily. Yeah. You know, wh- where am I, am I, am I loving someone for a right reason or wrong reason. Right. And I think David definitely struggled with that his whole life because, yes, he loved God and God loved him, but he did so many things that caused ripples in the history of, of, of the, the, the nation, you mm-hmm. know? And like you said, where sons fought, his own sons fought each other. Yeah, you know? that's the thing. Our choices matter. I mean, we've right. talked about that before a few weeks ago. We talked about, or a month, probably a month or so ago, when we talked during Lent about the Israelites refusing to fight and their children had to. Mm-hmm. Well, you look at that. David's children, one of his sons sleeps with his sister. 
right, and rapes her, forces right. himself on her the way that David probably did to Bathsheba, and then he's wound up he winds up being killed by David's other son. So all of this stuff happens out of David's choice to be to stay out of the fight, to, mm-hmm. to stay home, to sit one out. We don't get that pass in our life, right? Once we've given our life to God, we're supposed to live for him. And it's not just for his benefit, it's for ours, to protect our family, to stay in that place where God is surrounding us with his mercy and his grace and his love, seeking that in our life, seeking his will, so that we can go and be the men that our family and our church and our world needs us to be. This is what this show has always been about. That's why on the back of our t-shirts, we have that quote from, from Pope Benedict XVI, you know, the world offers you comfort, but you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. And this is what we always have to remind ourselves. David was made for greatness, right? He was made for greatness. And he in, 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 that, in a moment, in this chapter 11, he severely falls from that. That danger and that temptation is always there for, for, for us. That's why we have to stay engaged in the battle so we can see what's coming. You have to have your head up looking for the fiery arrows of the enemy, right? The spears that are being chunked at you every day. The ones that are being chunked at your children and your wife at those you love, so you can engage in that and, and do what we're supposed to do as men, is to to take the brunt of that. And I'm not talking about grab your battle axe and run into all that mess. I'm talking about the interior battle of your heart, mm-hmm. right? Where you're going, am I more of a Uriah in my life right now? Am I refusing not to fight, right? Am I, am I wishing to be on those front lines protecting my family every day and doing the things I need to do in my life, prayer and adoration, confession, mass, visiting frequently in the sacraments? Am I strengthening my resolve every day? Or, am, or right now in my life, do I have a heart of David? You know, at least in this chapter of David's life mm. where where I'm just going to phone it in and then I wind up in a, in a world of hurt and so does my family because the choices I make matter. So man, like this episode today when I read this, I just, I love the life of David so much because it's so closely illustrated to most of our own. There, we, there's times we're on the mountaintop and times we're in the gutter. And this is a moment today where David's in the gutter. And, and he got there because of the choices that he made, right? And refusing to fight. And so that's the thing I want to ask you guys today is to really ask yourself, are you in the fight? Are you in the spiritual battle that is your life? Are you phoning it in? Are you giving it up? Are you allowing the devil to run rampant in your life? Are you giving in to vice? Or do you want to be a man like Uriah? That it, 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 no matter what happens, you're living a life of virtue. You're doing the things that God's asked you to do, and you 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 refuse to not fight in your life each and every day. So, guys, take that to heart. Think about it this week. Examine your life and see which one you are. If you're Uriah in your life right now, or if you're David, let's take it to prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, spiritual battle is real and it rages around us each and every day. Whether or not we choose to engage in it will determine what kind of man we will be. Help us to fight the urge of laziness and comfort. And Father, whenever we find ourselves wanting to stay on the sidelines of the battle, remind us that's exactly where the devil wants us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com. Or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.